This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. At my childhood movies... Rocky. Now, when we were preparing this clip, you know, everybody, most of the people in the office are like in their 20s and they're like, this is an old movie. And I kind of like, any movie that happened when I was alive is not an old movie. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> anybody want to agree with me on that one? Because, <laughs> so this movie came out when I was like seven years old. See, when I was a kid, old movies were black and white. So this is not an old movie. Um, you know, so for my dad, The Wizard of Oz is not an old movie. Um, so here we are going to be looking today at the comeback and obviously we know from the scripture from the resurrection of jesus that the comeback is something that we will see in scripture over and over again and it is in not just rocky one uh rocky two where i'm going to give you some my rocky knowledge is going to be evident here because i have seen all of most of the rocky movies the first four a bunch of times then after that i kind of lost track but so we saw Rocky 1 there, and Rocky 2, you know, his wife was in a coma, and then he got training late, and then he came back, and he eventually won the championship, and Rocky 3 happened. Clubber Lang, Mr. T, does anyone remember Mr. T? His claim to fame was from Rocky 3. Uh, originally, he defeated Rocky, and then Rocky had to come back and win the championship, and then in Rocky 4, the evil Russian, I apologize if you're Russian today, <laughs> the evil Russian defeated uh, Rocky, and then Rocky came back, uh, you know, no, Sorry, I got it all mixed up. He, he actually killed Apollo Creed. I know. <laughs> and then so from that defeat, Rocky had to defeat the evil Russian in Moscow and try to bring nations together and stuff like that. And then I lost track after that. I think there's been eight in total Rocky movies, including the last two, uh, Creed. But just this idea of the comeback. And you can see... Um, just the, these ideas that we would see that Rocky's kind of has like a down and out life. He's had a, a difficult circumstances and he finds himself in a, a very difficult place. And then he gets this opportunity to fight the heavyweight champion. And at first he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And in the middle of the fight, when he's down on the canvas, even people in his own corner are saying to him, stay down, stay down. And what does Rocky do? He just keeps getting up. And I think this principle is such a godly principle, this idea of, you know, sometimes you are actually going to get knocked down and sometimes life is going to be really difficult and the comeback is more important than the knockdown. That we always should be choosing the comeback, making a choice in life when circumstances come our way and knock us to the canvas and we find ourselves in a place that we don't want to be, that we are able to get up off the canvas. So we're going to look at a couple stories uh, this morning and see how this idea is all through scripture. Acts chapter 16, let's turn over there. The Apostle Paul, you know, he had a very difficult road in life after his conversion that he was preaching the gospel um, in places that had never heard the gospel. And then he would go into certain places and try to proclaim Christianity. And, you know, it's been said that everywhere that the Apostle preached, there was revival and then there was riot. That people would want to hear what he was saying and, and believe what he was saying. And then the religious people of the time would come against Paul and sometimes in very violent ways. 
and uh, and hit him and beat him many times. And, you know, so many different things happened to the Apostle Paul on his journey as he planted churches. So let's read one of these times here in Acts chapter 16. Now, Paul had been going through an area and he cast a devil out of this one girl and, you know, just doing ministry, trying to help people. And then people uh, accused him of a certain thing and then they got... Uh, let's just, just read the story. They ended up getting thrown in jail. The crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods just for doing something good in a town, ministering to somebody. And then what happened? They got the clothes torn off. And they got beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer, to keep them safely. Beaten with rods, thrown in jail. Inflicted with a bunch of things, and then it even got worse. Do you ever feel like that sometimes in life? That, you know, something happened, and then another thing happened right after that? You know, I, I had a, a cousin say, and it was just, you know, it's just a very sort of uh, religious way to say it. You know, something happened and something bad happened. And she's like, oh, these things happen in threes. Sort of a superstitious way to look at life. And it's like, no, these things happen in ones and they happen all of the time. Because life is difficult. The life that we live is difficult. And so they got their clothes torn off, they got beaten with rods, and then they got thrown in jail after just trying to do something good. And then at verse 24, having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So it keeps getting progressively worse. Verse 25, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas had faced this injustice and had been beaten and not just thrown into the prison, but they were thrown into the inner prison. And then their feet were in stocks. And then it was midnight. It was the darkest time of the day in the darkest prison, in the hardest spot in the prison. And then what did they decide to do? They decided to sing to God. They decided to pray. And this response is the response that we need to think about for ourselves. When we find ourselves on the canvas, when we find ourselves facing a bunch of circumstances that just came one after the other and blow after blow, they find themselves in this really dark place and a really dark time, and then they decided to turn to God. They were praying and singing hymns to God, so much so that other people in the jail... We're listening to him, and I think that's a really important point. Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer came, called for the lights, and rushed in, and trembling with fear... He fell down before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, and you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. 
So they came out of the dark prison. And the reason that they came out of the dark prison and the dark place and the, and the difficult time in life, that the source of it was there, was there, I'm going to turn to God and I'm going to pray and then I'm going to sing in the middle of these difficult circumstances. Now what does singing signify? Not just any old singing, but this idea that I'm actually going to express some worship to God in the middle of a difficult circumstance. That what is being told us here in the story and another story that we're going to look at is that I can actually decide to come out of the prison of life. When life has me down and when things are really difficult in that difficult, dark moment at midnight, I can choose something. You know, people say this all the time, you know, that that a, a small percentage in life is what happens to you. The biggest percentage is what how you choose to respond when those things happen. And what we see at the end of this story is not only were Paul and Silas set free, but then other people were set free. Other people were saved because of the choice of Paul and Silas. That they decided not to wallow in their difficulties. Not to wallow at the injustice of it all. This is so unfair. Why are we in the dark prison? Why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to me? I'm just out here preaching the gospel. Out here trying to do good things, God. But they didn't stay in that dark place. They didn't allow that dark place. They didn't allow the midnight to get into their soul, to get into their heart. They decided to turn to God and to pray and sing praises to God. And when they made that choice, it actually was of benefit to other people. So not only are we pulling ourselves up off of the canvas, when it looks like the referee is counting us out when we when it looks like it's too hard, when it looks like it's too difficult. Not only am I pulling myself up, but I'm actually going to help somebody else when I don't quit and when I don't give up and when, when I don't give in to the circumstances, when I don't allow them into my soul, I don't allow it into my heart. They decided to pray and sing praises. And this is something, the first thing that I, I want us to, to notice today, that we should always choose praise. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about praising God. And this is, I, I'm not just talking about singing in church, that's part of it. I'm not just talking about singing in the car, which you should do, find your favorite worship music, sing in the car to God. And it, but it goes beyond singing, it, it, it's some praise that comes from our heart. Because everybody praises, everybody worships, the question is, what are we worshiping? What are we praising? Are we just uh, saying the circumstances over and over again? Are we saying how bad it, bad it is? Are we saying it's midnight? Are we saying, look at the injustice of it all? Look, are we saying, look at the beatings that I've taken? taken? Speaking like Rocky this morning. I've been beaten and this has happened to me and this shouldn't have happened to me. And just sad about the injustice of it all and complaining and complaining and complaining. Do you know that's a version of praise? That's praising the circumstances. Talking about it. Repeating it. Telling everyone how bad it is. Putting it online how bad it is and how hard life is. No, we always want to choose to praise God. 
We always want to have our attitude, regardless of what has happened to us or how many things have happened to us and, 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 and what, uh, how short a time frame that has happened to us. That praise will help us to come out. Praise will bring us up off the canvas. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not giving thanks for all circumstances, because all circumstances are not from God. The reason that Paul and Silas were in the inner prison was not because God sent them there. It was because somebody had done something. Somebody made a choice. Somebody beat them with rods. Somebody threw them in the inner prison. But in all circumstances, regardless of the circumstances, is the point of the verses. Regardless of what's going on around you, we need to choose praise. We need to choose prayer. Because that's actually the time when we need it the most. See, when things are going good, most of the time our praise level is kind of low because we're like, hey, things are going great. See, all of us are either in a battle or getting ready for a battle. You just need to know that that's how life is. If you're not in a battle right now, you should be getting ready for a battle because one is coming. Because this is the world that we live in. And we just don't want to be, we don't want to be lax in our praise, lax in our prayer, lax in our focus towards God. And then what can we do? We could just be praising the circumstances by, by complaining. Isn't it just easy to complain? It's just easy to complain because it, make, we kind of, it kind of makes us feel good in a sense. We want to say how bad it is and how difficult it is, but it's not, it's not good for you. But then it's also not good for the, pe- the people that you would potentially help. So they could have stayed in the prison and complained and complained and complained. So oh, this is so bad. This is so difficult. This is so hard, which it is. But praise is the thing that brought them out. Give thanks in all circumstances. Which means sometimes you have to worship when you're crying. When you'd rather just cry and, and feel sorry for yourself and feel bad, those moments, that's the time you need to praise. The time you, you feel it the least is the time you need to do it the most. See, when, when we come and we gather on a Sunday, don't wait for some feeling to sing. Sing. The feelings will follow the worship. Well, you know, if I come in and if I'm having a bad week, you know, I just feel like I'm... I'm just not being genuine. I'm not being real. No, that's the point of the worship. If you go back and read the Psalms, that's when they were singing the Psalms, when tough, when tough times were on top of them. When it was really hard, that's when they sang. So regardless of how you're feeling, that's the time we need to praise God. That's the time we need to magnify the Lord. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Regardless of the times. Regardless if you're on the mountaintop or in the valley. At all times. I'm going to choose to praise God. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. 
My soul makes its boast in the Lord. And what do we do when we're complaining? We're boasting about the circumstances. We're boasting about temporary circumstances. But I don't want to be boasting about circumstances. I don't want to be boasting about the enemy. I want to be boasting about God. My soul makes his boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So this is a great way to think about worship. What are we doing when we worship God? We are magnifying him. Now, do you remember when you were young and you had a magnifying class and you were burning ants with the magnifying glass? Before you burned the ants, you, the ants looked bigger. Now, did the ants actually get bigger? No, you, but they were, they got bigger in your eyes. Why? Because you were magnifying them. See, God is God and he's big and he's strong and he's powerful. But when we choose to complain, what are we doing? We're magnifying the circumstances. We're making the circumstances bigger than God when we complain. But what praise does is reminds us how big God is. It's not that God actually gets bigger. But when we praise, we are reminded about how big he is. And how strong he is and how powerful he is and how much he loves me. Man, let us magnify the Lord. Let's do it together. We're going to choose to do this. We're going to choose to do this separate from feelings because when we are on the canvas, we don't feel like getting up. And then you can have people who are not your friends who will say, just stay down. Just give up. But we need to choose joy. We need to choose worship. We need to choose prayer in the middle of those difficult circumstances. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? When troubles of any kind. What am I going to consider this? I'm going to consider this an opportunity for joy. Why? Because in and of itself... It gives me no joy when I'm knocked out, when I'm hurt, when I'm laying on the canvas. That, there's no joy in that. But what am I going to do? I'm going to consider it joy. I'm going to make a choice in the middle of that to say this is great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Endurance. You know, every movie, the the song hits, and Rocky trains. Why? Because he's building up his endurance. Why? Because there's a fight coming. So what what happens to us? How are we going to build up our endurance spiritually? I'm going to choose joy. When the circumstances don't offer me joy, I am choosing joy. Why? Because what happens there? Well, my endurance then. I'm, I'm going to get through this too. God is going to bring me through this as well. Do you have any testimony 
in your own life where God has brought you through something. Come on now, do you remember anything? That God has brought you through something. And so if you're in the middle of something now, what do we need to do? We need to endure. We need to be patient. We need to persevere. That what's going to be true, what God's going to bring us through this too. But God is going to bring me through, but what am I choosing in the meantime? Well, I'm going to choose joy, and I'm going to choose prayer, and I'm going to choose worship, even when the circumstances don't dictate it. Elijah, in the Old Testament, the prophet before Elijah, he's famous for... um, Facing down the prophets of Baal. Do you remember the, the, the sacrifice? And he said to the prophets of Baal, okay, you call out to your gods and whoever God answers by fire, that God will be God. And so the, the prophets of Baal were there and they were calling out to their God and, and they were cutting themselves and, and nothing happened. And Elijah said, well, maybe your God is sleeping. And so it was Elijah's turn and he said, you know, soak the sacrifice and then he soak it again. And then God answered by fire. And so Elijah had this great victory. And then Jezebel happened. Let's read about this. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me. Be it so ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Jezebel was scary. Jezebel, the name that's never going to make the top 100 in baby girl names. (laughs) He had this amazing victory. He's on the mountaintop. And then Jezebel threatens him. I'm going to kill you just like you killed the prophets of Baal. He's gone from this place of victory. The highest mountain. Now somebody is threatening him. He's running for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat under it, And prayed that he might die. So we're contrasting these stories a little bit. What did Paul and Silas do? In the darkest place, the deepest part of the prison, sang and sang praises. What is Elijah doing? He's like, I just, I'm asking, I'm just asking God, God just kill me. I can't face the pressure. Uh, the, the, the victory was awesome and now somebody's coming against me. See, and, and in life sometimes it's like that. You, you experience this amazing victory and then something right after hits you. And because you are on the mountaintop, maybe it's a little bit harder to take. Take my life. I am, I am no... Uh, What did he say here? Pray that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. I have had enough. See, and this this is how the enemy wants us to respond. God is wanting us to endure. 
God is wanting us to choose perseverance. God is wanting us to choose praise and prayer. And then what is our response sometimes? You know, I just kind of, I feel like I've had enough. I feel like I've, I've had enough battles. And do you ever feel battle weary? Come on, let's be honest this morning. Have you ever felt that in your life? You just kind of like, really, another thing? God, I, God, I've kind of just had enough. And, and we can put ourselves, not just the circumstances, but then we can put ourselves by the choices that we're making in an even worse spot. Lord, I've had enough. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. The journey is too much for us by ourselves, but the good news is that we are not by ourselves. We aren't alone in the middle of the difficulties. We aren't alone when we find ourselves on the canvas. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I love this. See, many times we're we're thinking, sometimes the voice of God might give us specific direction. Thank God that he does guide us but I love it when God shows up and he asks us a question and here this question is what are you doing here and it's what are you doing here in the cave but it's what are you doing here in your mind why are you running from Jezebel why are you running away from the circumstances why are you running away from the difficulties Why are you here, Elijah? And he replies, this is Elijah's reply. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down the altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. What what is this? This is self-pity. Feeling sorry for yourself. I would say this, if you are ever feeling sorry for yourself, God shows up and says, what are you doing here? Think about it. What is the good of self-pity? What good will come of you feeling sorry for yourself? Can you think of anything? Other than a momentary, you know, vomit, complaining, I am the only one that faces difficulties in life. I mean, that's really just extreme pride. The scripture tells us we aren't facing anything that isn't common to man, that people face the stuff we face. You aren't the only one going through life difficulties. Welcome to the human race. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, 
yeah, I'm feeling bad for you too, Elijah. That's right. You are the only one. You're just, you're the only one in human history facing this. Now, what did he say? Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Don't stay here. Go to the place of the presence of God. Go to the place of the presence of God. Now, we know theologically that God's presence is everywhere. So what is he actually talking about? He's talking about on the inside. Go to the place of the presence of God. Don't stay here in your self-pity and your complaining. Go to the mountain where the presence of God is. Don't stay on the canvas and feel sorry for yourself. And say, I'm the only one. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? See, one of the things that we know about Elijah, that he was one of the prophets. And and what was the, the purpose of one of the prophets was to help somebody else. And it's like, don't stay here. Why? Because somebody else actually needs you. Somebody else needs you to get up off the canvas. It's like in the Paul and Silas story. They got... They got out of the jail and then they ended up helping somebody else. Verse 15, we'll skip down there. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Heziel king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elijah son of Shaphat and Abel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will be put to death whom you escape, escape the sword of Haziel and Elisha will put to death anyone who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all who, all who knees have not bound to Baal, bow down to Baal, and those whose mouths have not kissed him. See, in the middle of Elijah's difficulty, his assessment was, I am the only one. I'm the only one still serving you, God. And then what is the revelation? And at the end, there's 7,000 other people. There's actually a bunch of other people. You aren't alone. You aren't the only one. See, in the middle of the difficulty, sometimes our emotions get the best of us. And we can't see a way out. And we think I'm the only one and we think it's too hard. And we might say, like Elijah... I've kind of had enough. But where does God send Elijah? And where does God send us? He sends us to the place of his presence. We aren't actually alone. Even if we find ourselves on the canvas. But I'm going to choose the comeback. I'm going to choose the comeback. 
I'm going to choose even when it's hard and even when it's difficult and even when it's been hid and even when I don't understand what's going on. I'm going to choose the place of the presence of God. The Apostle Paul, again, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. So in other words, our salvation is in this flesh. And it's a jar of clay, which means it can be affected by the world that we live in. The salvation that we experience is in this jar of clay that has emotions that get hurt and a body that gets damaged. To show all this surpassing power of God and not from us, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. See, the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, was crushed on every side. But then what is his response? Yeah, we're hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. When the circumstances are closing in, what is Paul choosing? He's choosing the place of the presence of God. I'm perplexed. Has anyone ever been perplexed? What does that mean? He's like, I don't get it. I don't understand why this happened. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they said that. I don't know why I'm facing this now. Why now? Perplexed. But not in despair. I don't let all of that confusion in my mind. I don't have all the answers, but I, I, don't, I don't choose despair in the middle of that. Are you with me this morning? And Paul is helping us out today. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. But you know what? I'm not going to despair over it. I'm not going to give up. Persecuted. But not abandoned. Paul, I mean, you know, people don't like us because we're Christians. It's not really persecution. In Paul's day, like, he would get beaten with rods, like we read about. He would get whipped. All of these things. I mean, he was facing, like, real-life persecution that some of our brothers and sisters around the world are facing. What does he say? But I'm not abandoned. I remain in the place of God's presence. Struck down, knocked down, but I'm not destroyed. That's what I choose. What, 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 are we, what does God want us to choose? God wants us to choose the comeback. God wants us to choose the place of prayer. God wants us to choose the place of joy. God wants us to choose the place of presence, of his presence in the midst of all the stuff. God wants it for you, and then he wants it for those that you will help when you get up off of the canvas. Get up off of the canvas. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. The power that knocked you down is not greater than the power that's lifting you up. The power of God is lifting you up. 
The stories of the scripture, Jesus tells story when you fall in a pit, there's an animal falls in a pit, well, what do you do? What do you do? Help them out. God is constantly reaching out to us. When we find ourselves on the canvas, God is not looking at us and saying, just get up on your own. No, he's reaching down to us. He's like, let's go. We're going again. We're going another round. We're going again. We're going back in. We're going back to the battle. Choosing the place of the presence of God. Let's just pray this morning. God, we just worship you today. We are so thankful for your goodness. God, we choose prayer today. Lord, we choose worship. We choose joy regardless of the circumstances. God, you never leave us or forsake us. Regardless of what we see today, Lord, we choose not to feel sorry for ourselves, but we choose your power instead. We choose your love instead. We choose your grace instead. God, we just love you and we thank you so much for who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody say, I'm coming back. One more time, I'm coming back. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.